0: Hey, Bethel Cleveland listeners. We just want to remind you that we've launched a brand new show called the Steve Witt Podcast. Each week, join Steve Witt as he goes further into the word, and he offers his unique perspective on the things going on around the world. You don't want to miss this, so check it out. Search Bethel Cleveland on Apple or Spotify podcasts. Enjoy. Welcome to Bethel Cleveland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information on this podcast or how to get connected, go to BethelCleveland.com. Well, if you watched uh, on Facebook, you'd you know that I, I said we were going to do something a little different today, and we are. And it's, it's going to be a bit torturous and yet also a blessing at the same time. So I want to give you something. We're going to hand this out, if we can get my microphone straightened out here. Uh, we're, we're distributing a charcuterie, basically, in a cup. And we want you to hold on to it. Don't eat it right away. I'll tell you when we're going to eat it. We're going to eat it together, kind of like what we do with communion. And we also, if you didn't pick one up on the outside, it'd be good to have a communion cup. We'll make sure we get you one by the time that comes, because we're going to do that also. And we're going to practice a New Testament, first century, Jesus time practice, that when they came together, uh, they ate together, and the and the... The climactic moment of that eating together was to share in the body and blood of Jesus Christ. So we're we're going to talk about that shortly when I get to it. We're distributing this. I haven't done it quite like this ever before. I'm at 44 years of ministry. So we're going to see how this works. I was going to say it might be cheesy, but it is. There's two pieces of cheese in there. So um, so we're going to give you a, a chance to participate. Remember, don't eat now. Just hold on to it. You're meant to kind of look at it, adore its beauty. Allow your salivary glands to, to spark up a little bit, you know. So we're passing them by, and uh, there are six nuts in there. If you have any nut allergies, yes. do we have some exceptions for that? No, okay, just just make sure you don't need those six nuts. I'll tell you, they're all in there. They have a purpose, they have a reason, they have some symbolism, that I prayed through and asked the Lord for, and he gave them to me very fast, actually, just a little symbolic understanding of what we're doing as we dig deeper as a church, become the community he's called us to be. I mentioned this last week, I believe, but over the life of a church, it's like waves. There's waves of things, there's waves of graces that come upon churches. Even in this one, it's 26 years old. There are times in our life, we were talking to some people who've been around a long time, the other day, and they talked about it. You remember the days, you know, and I I do remember those, and I cherish those. I do not want to live in the past, though. I appreciate the past. I learned from the past. I don't want to live in the past. I do want to remember it, though. I want to remember because it does speak in our lives. Cindy and I were just talking yesterday how uh, periodically we get in these, these talks where we Talk about when we first met one another, you know. Usually it's on an anniversary, but hey, you can do it all throughout the year. And just say, you remember when we first met? Now, the reason it's more significant for us is we do not have Facebook to remind us. I know it's hard to believe, but Instagram, Facebook, all that wasn't around in 1978. (laughs) And so what we have probably is a couple dozen pictures. Because, uh, in 1976, 77, 78, and really up into about the 90s, uh, pictures were pretty expensive, actually. I mean, in 1978, you know, you, you get a, this roll of film, or as they say, film in Canada, film, and you'd put it in your camera, hoping that you didn't expose it in some way. And then you had the, this treacherous job to pull the film out and attach it to the other side, has anyone ever done this? Okay, you're old. Uh, and then you close it. And then you slowly crank it, hoping that it's not going to get entangled because you paid money for this thing, for this little roll of film. And you're going to have to take it somewhere and get it exposed and developed, you know? And, and then you go and you... It's, it's like playing the lottery. You don't know which ones are going to turn out. And I promise you only about half do. And the others have your hand in front of it, they have a bright light, you know, they have a little, what happened, what happened? And then some you, get, everyone goes, you know, now on Instagram, you get that 70s filter. That really tells you what it looked like. I mean, it was like, is that me? <laughs> you know, I, oh yeah, is that my car? Yes, that, okay, well, I'll keep it just in case. Someday in the far future when I get 66, I can, I can look back at it and go, oh yeah, that's kind of what my car looked like. You know. So we only have a couple dozen of those with Cindy and I. You know, in fact, a lot of them aren't even just with Cindy and I. Your childhood pictures and childhood pictures are basically your annual school picture or something like that. So when we talk, we have to speak to build remembrance. Now, what we're saying at this point in our lives in our mid-60s may be very different than what happened. Because we have no photographic proof. (laughs) So our relationship expands over the years. You remember when? Yeah. I think now we're remembering Lies probably inserted 10 years after we took the pictures that did not turn out, you know. This is the way I remember it. Me too, me too. Okay, let's agree on it. That's our history. So, you know, a part of our history. So we, we talk about it. We have to talk about it over and over again. People talk to me about repeating stuff, and I go, I, number one, I'm old. I've earned the right to repeat things. Yeah. Number two. Number two, it's the highest means of learning, repetition, over and over again. Number three, it's what Jesus did, and I always say that because that's the most powerful. It's what Jesus did as a Jew. He lived in that helix of of love feast that swelled up like a corkscrew into heaven, every year repeating things over and over again, seven times. Feasts a year, I mentioned this last week, where they get together. We know them as, you know, Passover and Feast of Tabernacles and Pentecost. There's seven of them, you know. And each one of those are actually celebrations. So food, because, you know, this is the food series. Food has a powerful dynamic of memory. They're discovering that food is good because food actually has, it contains some of the best memories you'll ever have. Taste, smell, they have big memory. They're big memories. I-, I think it's, I forget, it's one of the two that's the strongest memory you have. It could be smell, I forget. Maybe, maybe taste, but I-, I think it's smell. I mean, you smell something, instantly you're back 30 years. It's the weirdest thing, you know. We actually walk around now because we're big Italy lovers. We walk in places now and there's, you get this certain smell, probably garlic, certain smell, basil, something like that, and you're like, oh, Cindy, you know, we go into a three-minute trance, we talk about it, you know, Italy, Italy, oh yeah, that's right, I gotta get back to normal, you know. Same thing with Florida, same thing with Cleveland, well, Cleveland the smells not so good, but anyway, it, it, you remember, yeah, it smells like Cleveland 1950s, soot. <laughs> yeah, so there's certain memories, that, so so there's powerful things that will take you back. Cindy and I practice that because we don't have Facebook popping up. Say, hey, 10 years ago today, this is what you were doing. Oh, yeah, 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 I totally forgot about that. I couldn't believe it. What an idiot. What did I look like? What was I doing with my hair? You know, stuff like that. I mean, you, you look at it like I'm, I still wear that outfit. What, is I've had it 10 years. You know, that kind of stuff comes to your mind. And so in Jewish culture, i.e., the progression toward Christian culture, there was a fulfillment in Jesus Christ. And because of it, many of us abandoned the Old Testament, saying it has no meaning to us. And yet, over and over again throughout the New Testament, Paul and others refer back to the Torah because the Torah was the only Bible New Testament people had. The Jewish understanding was all they knew about Christianity, it emerged as a Jewish sect. And yet later on, as it got into the Gentile world, specifically with the Greeks, it started being shaped in a different way. So it was interesting, they continued these feasts that they called the agapes. Everyone say the agapes. (laughs) Sounds like a good movie or something. The agapes, what is that? The agapes, which means love, that meant love feasts. They called them agape feasts. In the early days of my church planning, right here in Brunswick, actually, (laughs) 19, I keep coming back to Brunswick, 1980, we planted a church right down where Mark's is here on 303. Uh, we were at a Kmart, it was a Kmart then, it was a new Kmart, <laughs> and uh, we went there, I talked to the manager, he allowed us to sit out front, my friend and I, my cohort, and we, we handed out, we had, we had ordered 10,000 brochures, we a men of faith, 10,000 brochures, handed them out talking about a new church being planted in Brunswick. And people came. I mean, we were 23 years old and people came and it grew, it grew mightily. It grew in a very powerful church that is still uh, talked about much and has influenced many, many churches around this region. And, and I remember the very first service we had went my sister's living room. 22 of us gathered together. And uh, a woman uh, prophesied, I can't even tell you her name, but I won't. A woman prophesied, it's funny how you remember these things, but a woman prophesied in a very Pentecostal way, and she said, behold, that's a very Pentecostal way, behold, do not despise the days, of small beginnings, for a little research, she went on and laid out this, you know, it was pretty amazing, you know, and it was only with 22 people, of which a good portion of those were family members. We got out of there. We were so excited. Like, there was no discouragement about 22 people. We we're like, woo! Actually, it was 27. I'm sorry, 27 people. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was like, we got people that actually follow 23 year olds. This is amazing, you know. And so you get these things marked in your life and you remember these things that are key going way back. But the Lord wants to build on that annually in your life with key moments for you. So last week I talked about, it. I got you, you have the seven, I know there's only five there, it's all the Lord gave me, but seven love feasts. These are specific. There's an eighth one that's added on. Boom. It's called the Shabbat, the Sabbath. It's actually the greatest of all because it's weekly. And it goes right back to the Garden of Eden. It is a feast also. The Shabbat done in the true Orthodox way, Jewish Orthodox way, would be three celebrative meals starting on Friday night, Saturday at lunch, and then Saturday evening, right right at sunset. So 24 hours, a good Orthodox Jew will have his family over and they eat certain things that are exact, particularly like challah bread, They'll eat the exact thing. They eat that first. They put a little salt on it. They pass it around. People are getting excited. And then they ate pretty much whatever they wanted after that on the Shabbat. But but it's a weekly reset for every person to understand that I rest in God. I rest from my works because God rested from his works. And so that rhythm, that's why Sunday morning is so important. People treat it casually. You know, I get a little bit irritable. I'm an old guy. I've also earned that. I can get irritable. I'm an old age, you know, like, come on, get with it. Come to church. Well, actually, we're the church, not the building. I get all that. The church is the ecclesia, the people that gather together. The Bible says over and over again, the New Testament, when you gather. We're having to do this because we got scattered for about a year and a half. COVID scattered. COVID was a demon from hell (laughs) that was released to specifically destroy the church. And many churches were destroyed. Many churches were pruned. I travel around the country. I hear the stories. It's a shame what's happened, you know. And people have also recreated their own Christianity, forgetting that we're called as a tribe, not as individuals. This is a very individual culture we live in. We worship individuality. There's nothing wrong with that, particularly in America but we are not just American citizens. We are citizens of a different kingdom dwelling in this realm. Jesus is not a Republican. Jesus is not a Democrat. I'm gonna talk about that next Sunday because we wanna get a hold of you before you go in the polls. I'm gonna talk about some cultural things going on and how we need to respond to this. What is a kingdom way to respond to this? But right now we're talking about food, the power of food. The Lord uh, incorporated food in the very life of the early Jews. Abraham probably kind of ate, you know, more or less what he kind of wanted to do. He was the first one. He was the Jew. He was establishing a culture. Actually, I believe the culture that we have in Jewish Jewishness today is related back to the very personality of Abraham himself. It's who he was. And you, if you read through the life of Abraham, you can see like, of course he's Jewish. I mean, it just makes sense. Later on, Moses, when he's calling them out of Egypt, this becomes the meta-narrative of, of Jewishness, but also becomes a meta-narrative that is put over your life, that you are living something that the Jews live. There is an Egypt in your life. It is called sin. Bible refers to this. He brought you out of Egypt. He brings you out of darkness into his glorious light. Thank God for that. But he takes you on a journey. That journey has demarcation points. And so when they arrive at Mount Sinai in Leviticus, all of Leviticus was given at Mount Sinai. While Moses was up on the mountain, they, they started creating their own form of Christianity. I mean, own form of following God. Golden calf. Money. Power, fame, that's the, that's the golden calf of the day. And Christianity has been sucked in a lot. American Christianity is specifically around the golden calf. Of course, we wouldn't call it that way, uh, that kind of type of thing, but it, but, it, but it really is in some ways. Moses comes down from the mountain after being in the presence of God for 40 days. Remember, he's got, you've seen the movie, he's got the Ten Commandments and he sees, he hears like a battle, an uproar going on in the camp. He's puzzled by it. And what happens is that, that it's the people running after a false god while well, he's been up on the mountain. And, you know, he takes them, he throws them in the ground and they're broken, you know. God makes him another set, you know. But anyway, he, he breaks them, you know, and there's this moment. It's actually, it's actually that moment. There's a there's celebration traditionally when it comes through of Pentecost and the giving of the, of the Torah And it's it's interesting that about 3,000 people died on that day. The same that came alive in Pentecost in the book of Acts, uh, a couple thousand years, or thousands or so years later. So it becomes this mirroring image of Jesus, the Jews the early walkings of the Jews, and now comes into the realm of Christianity where we understand there's demarcations of points in our life where we understand the seven different feasts, maybe not in the way they did it in the Hebrew time or even in the New Testament, but as as non-Jewish Christians, which I would argue with that because Romans does say that we're Jewish by faith but not by birth, so we become Jews, we enter into the Jewish life, we enter into the understanding. doesn't mean that we've got to put a yarmulke on and walk around and let our uh, sideburns grow extra long or anything like that. It's not about that. It's about an understanding that what God says will always be. And that he creates, he, he gets us out of this life into a new life, even though our feet and our body are still here. And it's interesting because the Bible talks, or not the Bible, but but. Jewish history talks about this delineation between, and I may have mentioned this last week, we walk in linear paths here on earth. We think in terms of I go down a line, if a boulder gets or a mountain gets in front of me, I'm in trouble. I can't can't get around it. People get stuck so easy nowadays, you know, a a divorce, a separation, a, a loss of money, fired from a job, all these things, they can become mountains that stand in front of you and shape who you are, and they're huge, and you go, I'm not gonna get around this, I'm gonna get around, well, part of it is the way we think. There's been so many people I've talked to, and I've go, just walk around it. Either cast it out of your way, the Bible says, cast this mountain, throw it in the sea, if that doesn't work, then dig a tunnel through it, climb over it, or go around it, whatever the situation demands. Well, that's just too easy. You understand? I've gone through very difficult. I know that. I understand that. But this is going to be something that launches you into a greater place. The most despicable abuses can become weapons against the powers of darkness. I believe that. Did God bring it to you? No, not always. Sometimes He does create difficulty in your life. He's training you. You're a child. I mean, we learn difficulties, we learn, you know, limits, you know, don't climb on the sofa, don't don't do this, I mean, I I got grandkids, I was given all kinds of micro commands out last night, they were (laughs) over at our house, we're sitting around a fire, don't get too close to the fire, you know, can I play in the fire? No, you cannot play in the fire, but you can do this, you know, and so, you know, it was like, I was exhausted, I was exhausted. (laughs) I know now why God gives children to young people, and I know why he gives old people, and that's the fill them up with sugar, and send them home to the young people. That's, that's my, my understanding. So, so anyway, the church was born in a feast. The day of Pentecost, they were feasting. I know this sounds like not a bigger. I mean, I understood all along it was Pentecost. I get it. I get it was a Jewish holiday and everything. But it was only recently it hit me like, wait a minute, what? Because I've always wondered what was the mode, what what were they doing in the upper room, what was that like, where they were just sitting around like, um, uh, uh, oh Lord Jesus, uh, John, do you have anything? Go ahead and lead in prayer, John. Okay, we Lord, we thank you again on day seven, Lord. Uh, we are fulfilling the promises of God where you said wait in Jerusalem until you be filled with the Spirit, Lord, could it be day seven? Lord, we'd love for it to be day seven. We are all, Lord, you know, we, we're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting. I think they were partying yeah. there you go. for 10 days. They had seen the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. They are jacked. They are pumped. They're like, whoa, what a time. That's been an amazing month. It was amazing. We thought it was over. And thank God, you know, I'm sorry I couldn't make it to the cross. I really wanted to be there. I just, you know, things are busy, but, you know, but, but we knew you were going to, I knew, I got it, Lord. I knew you were going to raise her. No, they didn't. They didn't understand that. But they did now. Looking back, it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. And so Pentecost becomes a code from heaven. It is a code hidden in a Jewish holiday. Four things involving Jesus, four of the initial festivals and feasts that happened were all indicators of a future Messiah. And as I said last week, Jesus came perfectly and fit on that template. Even the promise he made, the, pro- the fulfillment of the prophetic word in Acts eight of the Holy Spirit coming, the fulfillment of that happened to be on a holiday. whoa. whoa. Whoa, maybe the disciples understood that. Maybe on day seven, they're like, three more days. Three more days, Pentecost. Pentecost comes. It's the obvious time. God's going to come in power. Of course the Holy Spirit's going to come on Pentecost. It makes sense. It's the Feast of Weeks. It's the celebration of the giving of the Torah. It's the celebration of the, of the harvest, the first harvest. It's the Feast of Weeks. It's Penta you know, cost of uh, uh, 50, 50 days after the day after Passover. I mean, it's just this glorious time. Of course, we've been celebrating this all of our lives. Would it not be? Think about it, brother disciples. Did not Jesus die on a holiday? Did not Jesus, was he not buried during the unleavened bread? Of course, he laid there as a seed in the ground to be resurrected by God. Of course, it would happen that he would resurrect on, on, the, on the third day. In the glorious time of a holiday, he would resurrect. Sure enough, we got one more holiday coming before summer and fall. So let's know that that is the time the Holy Spirit will come. I think they didn't know that. Because that kind of knowledge only comes through the Holy Spirit. And I've counted something like 28 to 29 times in Scripture. When the disciples were with Jesus, he would say something and they go, it would say in Scripture, and they knew not what he said. And they would say, what manner of speaking is this? I mean, 29 times they're like, I don't know, I don't know. What's he talking about? Do you get it? Did you understand it? It was probably behind the scenes like, hey, 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 Jesus had to go over to Chick-fil-A for a few minutes, but wow, he's gone. Did you get anything of what he said? No, no. Oh. John, Thomas, Judas, you don't get anything, but Anyway. Did anyone get that? No, no, no. I mean, they're living that way. What makes you think it was any different on the day of Pentecost? The day of Pentecost was like, why did the tongues of fire come on their head? Burning their brains up. Their brains got fried on the Holy Spirit. Fried brains, deep fried brains. They came out of there like, whoo, we can heal the sick. We can raise the dead. I'm gonna stand up and declare in front of 3,000 people that just recently killed Jesus, I'm gonna say a more severe message than even what Jesus said, and let's see what happens. Oh, they glorified when they got beat. They came out after being filled with the Holy Spirit and they got beaten for speaking in the name of Jesus. They came out glorifying God that they had suffered in his name. Does that sound like the disciples before Pentecost? No. So Jesus attaches food into these things because he wants to build memories in us in times of weariness, difficulty, thoughts that we have, that God is with you throughout your whole life. There are, there are inflection points all through your life. Remember, to you, your Passover time was at salvation. When you received Jesus Christ, I hope you marked that day. I don't know what my day was. I was eight years old. It was in the summer of 1966. That's all I know. Probably, I know it was a hot day at, at, at Cleveland Baptist Church, and the preacher was sweating like crazy. They didn't have air conditioning there. I just know that. I know that. And I know that I felt something grip my heart. I went up to the front like the preacher said, come up here to the front, or you're going to burn in hell. You know, you're eight years old, you're like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go up front. And I didn't know in the little itty-bitty faith that I had in that moment that God was sparking something in my life that would last my entire life. So I go back to that. I remember I met with a Baptist preacher recently and he was very critical of our church. And he was saying things about this and about that. And you know, he was, he was obviously, he's very upset. And he goes, let me ask you some questions because I have wondered about your church uh, and what it's all about and everything. And he said, uh, uh, where were you uh, saved? And I said, Cleveland Baptist Church, and he said, I was too. And all of a sudden, there's this moment. It didn't last very long, but there was this moment <laughs> where we connected together like, bro. <laughs> you know." And, I'm, and he's 20 years younger than me, so it's like, well, I was first. They were running bus ministries back then. You remember that? He goes, oh, yes, they still do. I said, okay, there you go. I was one of the original ones. I lived in Brooklyn. I went to Cleveland Baptist Church. I mean, I used my Roman citizenship in that moment. It didn't work, but anyway, I tried it. So we look at food and we look at the power of it. And the scripture says that I read last week, I'm going to go with Acts 2 verse 46. This is the expression of what happened on a day of feasting when the Holy Spirit came. So continuing daily with one accord, how often did they do this? Daily. I know people say, well, it's a different culture and everything else. A lot of people from out of town back then, they were pulling them in there. Of course, it was going on daily. I understand that. I get that. But what it does say is there's a regular attention to the community of the believers. So continuing daily with one accord. Everyone say accord. It's unity. It's working stuff out. It's part of what the church is about. You know, we want to go to church. It's just, you know, whatever. And, you know, I get, get these weird people there. And, you know, I've got this experience when I went to church. Of course, You're joining. There'll be one other person that's dysfunctional and weak. And so we come together in order to create strength in Jesus Christ. And it says they broke bread from house to house. They ate their food. I already have two illustrations of eating. Broke bread, which was a picture, most believe, of fellowship. Jesus, you remember, on the road to Emmaus, when he stopped in the house, he broke the bread. When he broke the bread, something supernatural happened. Their eyes were open. Did you know it's not just like breaking bread. It's not like, okay, i am break the bread, you know. And I saw last night on a YouTube video, this restaurant somewhere where they throw you your bread. I don't know how that works, but you stand at your table. Have you seen that? You sit at your table and they, they throw the bread. Like I'm talking like from here to the back of the room and you better catch it or you're gonna have dirty bread you're eating. But they, they throw it, you catch it, you know, and I'm thinking there's something beyond just the bread even what flavor it is, what type it is, the breaking of the bread opens supernatural insight when it's in the context of being with other people. Now we're gonna do it here in just a minute. They ate their food with gladness. You know what the Greek word is there? I love that. You know, because when you do King James and even NIV, so much times they use words that, that will fit appropriately in our culture, but really do not express what happened. Like gladness, oh. Huh. Ha, 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 ha. Ha, ha, ha. Let's break some bread together. Hollow bread. Let's break it together. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. It wasn't like that. It says wild joy and ecstatic delight. <laughs> Woo! Here, Bob, <laughs> take some bread. I mean, they probably wrote that at the restaurant there. And simplicity of heart, which speaks of simplistic smoothness. So it was just like easy going, praising God, having favor. Why do we get so uptight? I can feel it. I even felt it today in the, in the first or second song. I feel like people are just, they're, they're getting, they are getting. it's like we need the. it takes a while for the WD-40 of heaven to reach into our joints and get us loosened up to be able to worship God, you know? We come in like robotic people, like, oh, church. Oh, God, I got to check them in the children's ministry, Walk all the way down back to where the sanctuary is. And I'm gonna get a coffee. I'm too tired to get it. I'm going to sit down. I sit up in the back so I can sit, leave early, you know. And not that all you did that, but I'm just saying. And you're you in a place where the Holy Spirit just starts. <laughs> <laughs> the oil. In our lives, are like, oh. I mean, we get animated. Jay gets really animated. Jay digs wells up here. Erica, I watched this whole thing. It's a beautiful thing happening. And what that encourages me, what am I doing? These people have oil up here. <laughs> and today, Erica, man, she prophesying over, I mean, that was powerful. I just turned, I went over to Joel and I said, she's a powerful worship leader. I mean, just, she's not just here singing songs. They're pouring oil out. Woo! They're throwing bread into the, well, that's a good idea. Throwing bread into the audience, you know. So anyway, I was thinking about it this week. And I thought, well, then, what's this breaking bread, house to house? Hey, I want to do something. So here, this brings us to our little charcuterie, which the only reason this got put together this way, this will take a few minutes, so bear with me. I put this together uh, as a reminder, as a bit of a symbol for us, for Bethel in a time of coming back together. It's not exactly a feast in a cup, I guess, but, but you know, this is not biblical, but we even put a little chocolate in there just because I knew that was very user-friendly. So we put that there. But we're going to go through this in just a minute, and I'm going to show you what the Lord showed me as I, it, it, it is the components of a charcuterie, strangely enough. I was reading through what Jesus probably ate. There's several, there's some amazing articles on it, if that has any interest to you. There's a lot of articles on it. Uh, what was his typical diet? Of course, fish. He lived up in Galilee. He was handy to a lot of fish, so he ate a lot of fish. I've been there. It's good fish. They call it St. Peter's fish. They serve it with the head, the tail, and everything, and you just kind of eat out the middle. And uh, it's really quite delightful. Take a little tour of Galilee. Hope to do that as a church someday. I think it would be a lot of fun. Cindy and I are going on one next year, you know, and you, you eat a lot. You know, they ate things like eggs for breakfast, things like that. A lot of figs, of course. Uh, there's olives. Uh, there was wine to drink. There was uh, all these things. So I'm looking through it. And then I looked, I happened to look through, because of my search engine took me to charcuterie, which, of course, we love Italian stuff, so I'm looking at it. We had a charcuterie at my son's wedding in August, you know, a huge table full of it. It was, it was beautiful, you know. And, and it, uh, because it's all Mediterranean, a lot of it. Is, there's overlap. So this is a bit of an Italian charcuterie, but with a Middle Eastern feel. And that's why we've got this uh, unleavened bread. It's actually a pita. So you're gonna have to use your imagination here as we go through it. But here's, here's what I got as we went through this, that may this be a healing for this church to bring us back into greater strength than we've ever been before. It just so happened I was walking by my shelf this week and I have this book I've been sitting on the shelf. I kind of never read it. I do refer to it sometimes, and I thought, I think there's something in there I need to see. I opened it up, right in the middle, it says, a liturgy for feasting with friends. Let me just read this to you. To gather joyfully, indeed, is a serious affair. I love this angle on here. For feasting and all enjoyments gratefully taken are in their heart an act of war. It's tearing down strongholds. Imaginations, thoughts that have come up in our minds. In celebrating this feast, we declare that evil and death, suffering and loss, sorrows and tears will not have the final word. But the joy of fellowship and the welcome and comfort of friends, new and old, and the celebration of these blessings of food and drink and conversation and laughter are the true evidences of things eternal and are the first fruits of that great glad joy that is to come and that will be unending. So our eating together, when you focus on it in faith, is a picture of heaven on earth. You're tasting heaven. Cindy and I, many times, you know, because we've been well-oiled in certain things over the years, food is one of them. There's certain food that when we get with certain food and we engage with that food, it brings emotion to us. It was a great chef who who said that when he smells herbs, he feels like weeping. And, and yet, you know, most people never encounter that level of experience on this side of heaven, I'm telling you, because when I tell people, I see the deer in headlight look, you know. But I'm saying, you know what? God is way more spiritual than you think. He's in every area of your life. And so it says, so let our feast this day be joined to those sure victories secured in Christ. Let it be known now a delight and a glad foretaste of the eternal kingdom. Bless us, O Lord in this feast. Let's all stand together if we could. So here's what we're going to do. This is a standing reception. By the way, thanks to Cindy and all of her helpers for putting four or 500 of these together. There's <laughs> a lot for all the campuses. Just thank her for that. And, uh, let's start with the first one. We tried to do this in reverse orders because, uh, wouldn't be complicated. This stick, pull out the stick. We're gonna eat this together. And if you don't want to eat, it's fine, but just listen to the symbolism of it. When I looked this over, I thought the stick, to me, represents us being joined together. Joined together in two things. Apparently, we need one more than the other. In two things. One is the anointing. That's the olive. The other two are Cheese. It's the promise of a land flowing with milk and honey. So we bless this right now as we eat this together. That we have a promise of a future and the anointing of God that is gonna carry us all the way into that. Let's eat together. I told you in a video something we've never done before. Oh, cheese and olive is actually good together. Hmm. What do you think? You got a good future. Yeah. Promised Land's great. I can even hear music. <laughs> the second thing is the bread. So pull that little bread out there. Mm. we break this bread I'm believing what I just referred to this is community it's a bread of life there's so much you can say about it it's oneness fellowship we broke bread we broke bread break the bread if you haven't already there's something about revelation attached to bread like I mentioned with Jesus he broke the bread their eyes were open so I'm praying right now, we bless this, that your eyes will be open to see things about you, your spouse, your neighbor, your coworkers, like you've never seen before. I've had it happen several times in my life where it feels like I had sunglasses on and I, I took a shade of it off. Like the, it's the greater clarity through life. When your eyes are growing dim, actually your spiritual eyes are growing brighter. So we eat this together right now in the name of Jesus. Mm. May we be one together. The almonds. You don't have to eat all of them. There's six. The almonds made me think of Jeremiah. Jeremiah, in Jeremiah chapter one, Jeremiah said, no, the Lord said to Jeremiah, what do you see? You remember that? Jeremiah said, I see an almond branch. I love what God says. Yeah. Makes me emotional because it's so simple. He's like a little kid. I see an almond branch. And the Lord says, You see well. I mean, it'd be like me saying to you, What do you see? And you go, oh, I see a keyboard player. It's good. <laughs> It shows you where God comes in our lives. It's a very simple place. But you know what the almond means? It's the first thing to spring forth in the spring. It's like so eager, it bursts forward. There's an excitement of new hope coming upon you. And the Lord's saying, What do you see? You are going to be the first to birth forth. It is both faith and prophetic as we eat these almonds together. Meditate on that. You're going to see things clear. You're gonna respond quicker, even late adopters. Who knows, you might become an early adopter. Better not eat that one, I won't finish. Okay, let's go to the apricots. You can work more on the almonds later. Now remember, we're eating together. There's a bond taking place right now. I think all of heaven was alerted to this. There's angels right now looking over this property. Do you know there's been angelic sightings on this property? And several people have seen them sitting up in the angel shelf up there. To your right, my left. <laughs> if you're visiting today, you've got a lot to tell at work this week. Man, I went to this church Sunday. It's really weird. This to me, this apricot speaks to the joy of the Spirit. But it also speaks traditionally, traditionally, the spiritual understanding of apricot is wealth and gold. Yeah. yeah, you like it now, don't you? The Lord bless us with prosperity, that even in a time of famine, we will prosper. Let's eat it together. You say, I'm eating that whole apricot, I want all that. <laughs> also brought a date. It's meant to represent the fig family, even though it's not. Figs were too expensive. So let's call it a fig. It's about bearing fruit. It's about bearing fruit because when Jesus walked by a fig tree that was not bearing fruit, he cursed it from the roots up. Puzzles were... The disciples were puzzled by that. And there's something, apparently the Lord really likes figs for him to go to that measure. Of course, it was an illustration of Israel and their life and everything else, but but figs are very important. So Lord, we thank you for this. And I pray, Lord, that this church will bear fruit. The smile of heaven over the fruit from this church will be eternal, Lord. Just smile over this congregation and the individuals who bear fruit in their lives. Thank you, Lord, for the fig slash date. Let's eat it together. Mmm, good one. Finally, before we take communion together, Jay, you may need to lead in the communion here because I need to move over. This one, (laughs) you know what came to me? was a turtle song in the 60s. Me and you, and you and me. Remember that? I thought there's two grapes. It's you and the Lord. It's abiding in the vine. That the ultimate thing that we do is we abide in Jesus Christ. We're grapes, we're clusters. This is a cluster right here, big one. This is like a promised land cluster. You gotta get a pole to take one cluster of grapes. They're huge, size of basketballs. That's incredible. So we're taking this into the eternal abiding communion between God and ourselves. And it mixes together in our mouth and into our stomach, which is exactly what we want in our, our lives in Christ. But if I abide in him and he abides in me, and his word abides in me, can ask what you will? And it shall be done. Well, thank you, Jesus, for the abiding relationship. Let's eat together. Chocolate it was just a bonus. <laughs> Speaks to the sweetness of living for Jesus. <laughs> Take that with you, enjoy that on your way home or whenever you want to do it. Jade's gonna come up and lead us in communion real quick. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to our Sermon of the Week. You can help us reach others by investing today at BethelCleveland.com slash give.